Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Welcome back to Paris History Advocate Hemingway. I'm back with Claudine, and we're continuing on our path of true crime. Today, we're talking about the affair of the poison. This took place in the 17th and 18th century. There was a lot of poisoning going on, and Claudine's going to walk us through. This is a two-part series once again, so make sure you tune in next week to hear the rest of the story. But let's jump into the first half. Yeah, this is, this is, you know, you might've come across this, like in, if, you know, if you're really into French history, you might've come across this being mentioned at least a few times because it does involve uh, Louis the 14th and the court of Versailles. Um, and if you had watched the TV series Versailles that is all right now is on Netflix, um, they dabble into this and we'll get into kind of the, the juicy part of the story that was really attached to that, that they depict in Versailles. Uh, but this is something that happened and, and it kind of started, it's, there's an actual set of years of the, the affair de Poisson. Uh, but this is actually, there was something that happened before that kind of launched the whole thing. So in the late 17th century in Paris, um, and of course Versailles, as I said, everything was uh, embroiled in this, the poison affairs. Um, and it was pretty much nobody was immune to it, including Louis XIV, the Sun King. But it all began back in 1662 when a gentleman named Godin de Saint-Croix began an affair with a woman named Marie-Madeleine Drew d'Abri. She was the Marquise de Bonvilliers. Um, the Marquise uh, was born on July 2nd, 1630 in Paris, and her father served in the military and her mother was, uh, her name was Marie uh, Olier. She was the brother of Jean-Jacques Olier, who created the, the Society of Saint-Sulpice. Um, if you've been into the Church of Saint-Sulpice there in Saint-Germain, and you, and you really like looked at everything hanging on the walls, you will have recognized that name. When I was doing research um, and reading all about this, I was like, wait a minute, I know that name. Um, and it is because of the Society of Saint-Sulpice he created um, that was all for like all the different priests. And, you know, it was also the same time the priests were visiting Miss Betty across the street uh, at the brothel that we've also discussed before. <laughs> <laughs> We should just call the society of uh, of Miss Betty. Uh, but she was the oldest of five children. Her mother died shortly after giving birth to her youngest brother. But as the oldest, her father expected her to help out with the siblings, of course, and she was in charge of the house. At just seven years old, she was uh, raped by a neighbor. And at 10 years old, she began to have sexual relations with her two younger brothers up to three times a week. Yikes. Yeah, kind of gross, which so obviously, you know, when we talk about what happens, obviously, sometimes these things uh, come into play. Another thing um, about this, and we're going to be talking about all these are mostly all women that were involved in the poison affair. Um, and I recently posted something about Catherine de Medici and how we've talked about her on the podcast and we'll link it in the, in the notes uh but she was very widely involved in poison and she actually this was she actually does not come up in this conversation um that we're going to have but she was really widely you know it was it's very much historically documented how she was involved in poison and how she killed a couple people that we know of. Uh, but I posted this and somebody actually said, you know, just you know, we, when you look back on history so many times women are, you know, that that were 
involved in these kinds of things or just different were all, you know, there was a whole witch trial and everything that happened in the US. But sometimes these things, like sometimes people are accidentally blamed or just because it was different. These women actually are involved in killing and poisoning people, just to set the record straight. <laughs> Whoops. So sometimes people are like unjustly accused of these things, but sometimes people are justly accused that they are, and this is what they did. So Marie Madeleine, at the age of just 21 years old, the old age, on uh, December 20th, 1651, in the Église saint um, Marie Madeleine married Antoine Gobelin. He was the Marquise de Bronvier. Um, the marriage resulted in three children. He already had four illegitimate children that she had to also take care of. Um, when he was away, he was a commander uh, of the regime of Auvergne. They had a very high standing in the Marais, and they would hold parties and salons, and everybody would attend. So she was very, uh, very well known in the Marais. So, you know, a lot of people came to visit her. And so, of course, you know, the gentleman came as well. In 1662, she began um, an affair with a gentleman named Godin de Saint-Croix. Um, and they had an affair. And when her husband learned of this relationship, he had Godin locked up in the Bastille for three months in 1663. Mm. Could you imagine now in France if uh, you could lock up your uh, the mis- the mistress or the uh, lover of your wife or husband? <laughs> the prisons would be full. the the prisons would be overcrowded now if you could just instantly be like I'm locking up my husband's mistress. <laughs> um, but when Godin was in prison, he met a gentleman named um, Aguido Xier who was in the Bastille for poisoning the sister-in-law of Pope Innocent X, Olympier de Rome. Um, Godin was already fascinated with chemistry and poison. And when he was there, Exili taught him all he needed to know about creating tasteless and odorless poisons that could not be detected. Ooh. So already, that's obviously going to be bad. Um, Exley told him upon his release, he needed to go visit a gentleman named Christophe Gosset, who was a master chemist at the Jardin Royal des Plantes, um, which is what had everything he needed. We talked just a few weeks ago about the Jardin des Plantes, um, and that was basically first created under Louis XIII because he wanted to rival those in Italy that would have these gardens that were growing all the, you know, all these medicinal herbs and everything. And so he, you know, they put a lot of money into having people that were just doing this. And so of course, you know, you, you there's plants, you know, obviously like there's mushrooms, like you're not supposed to just walk out into the forest and eat the first mushroom you see, because either it's a wacky mushroom <laughs> or it could kill you, you know, like yeah. not. So there's definitely, you know, natural things in the environment that just these things eating them could kill you. And so they were able to figure all these things out. So being locked away in prison didn't keep these two apart. And as soon as he was released, they you know, were back together. And now he was teaching her everything he had learned in the Bastille. Oh. So she was quite the loyal little follower. Um, Godin lived at uh, number five, uh, Rue de Hautouillet at the Hotel de, des Abbes de Facon. And I stayed there actually a few years ago. And I, whenever I would go to Paris, I, you know, and I'd always stay in Airbnb. I was like, I want to stay in Airbnb that something historical happened at. And finally I stayed at this place. And then that's when I think I first really learned about the poison affair. But I, this was like five years ago. Um, 
And so I was staying in this Airbnb that is where he lived, where they would go and do work on some of these potions was in this building. And this was the place that I stayed that it was, you know, really old. It had those huge, huge beams that ran through it. And one night in the middle of the night, I woke up to hearing like dink, dink, dink. And I was like, what is that noise? And you know, those things, you know, when you're asleep, like when the smoke detector, the battery stops working and it only happens in the middle of the night, that noise is like magnified. (laughs) Always so loud. So I was like, what is that noise? And it was literally water coming from inside of this massive beam that was like, you know, a foot squared. Um, And the water was coming through and leaking into the bathroom. And so, and then, and then I started getting pots and pans to put under it. And then it was leaking into the kitchen. And of course, when I got a hold of the, you know, the Airbnb people the next day, they, they were like, it is a Sunday. There's nothing we could do. Sorry. <laughs> so I don't know, you know, if it's that place is, was quickly after I stayed there was no longer on Airbnb. So I don't know if maybe it was, you know, the ghost of the poisoner trying to get me. Um, but luckily, you know, I didn't ingest any of the water. But the two would stay there. And this is this little, this street is right behind the uh, Fontan Saint-Michel. So it is just like, it's like one block off the Hotel Saint-Michel or the Fontan Saint-Michel. So it's pretty, it's very close to Ile de la Cité. Um, so the two would go there into this building. They work on their poisons. Um, they put them into cakes and other sweet treats. They take them to the Hotel Dieu. The uh, the hospital that's right there, looking right next to Notre Dame, and they would take it to the patients and bring them these sweet treats, and then they would sit there with them and track the symptoms. What? So they basically be poisoning these people that are already in the hospital. Oh. And back then, you know, back then it's like they believed that bleeding everybody was a way to fix them. Like when they when you watch those old thing, you know, old old movies depicting this time in Europe or even in the U.S. They would have them like, do they all believe that if you put leeches on people, that that's, if you bled them, that's how they would get cured. It's like basically getting the blood out of them. So this is, so, you know, medical care back then was already pretty (laughs) wishy-washy. If you went into the hospital, there was a pretty high chance that you were not going to be coming out. So they would sit there and they'd give these patients like, you know, cakes and things like that and just track you know, the dosage that they put into it, um, how they were, the symptoms, the discomfort, and how long it took them to die. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. And they did this just for the thrill of it. Like there was no reason. I mean, there was no medical, like they weren't trying to, you know, do medical research. They just did this for the thrill of it to see. So Mary Madeline took what she learned and she tried this out on her father on September 10th, 1666. She killed her father by poison. Um, A few years later, she ended up in 1670 killing two of her brothers, Antoine and Francois. Um, a sister was also a victim of her, po- po- uh, potions, uh, but she didn't completely kill her. Um, she was able to survive, but she did all of that so she could knock them all out as so she could get to, uh, more of her inheritance. Yikes. Smart. Yeah. So she, she, yeah, she was a lovely lady. So fearing for her, his own life, um, her husband, Antoine decided to leave Paris and took their children. Because they were worried that that he might be the next victim. And I'm sure he definitely would have. It's like after her father and her brothers, um, you definitely think that her uh, that her father was or her husband was next on the list. Uh, St. Croix became 
concerned about his own life as well and began to document everything and make notes of her actions and even take evidence of the crimes and lock it away in this red leather box. She took the vial um, that she used on her father. Um, so she he ended up having all of this that he put away. Unfortunately um, for Mary Madeline, he died of his own natural causes on July 31st, 1672. And it's unfortunate because he locked all these things away in a red box and he left a note that said if anything was to ever happen to him before she died to go find and look at this box. (laughs) So, yeah. So him dying of natural causes uh, was not great. And this is kind of what set off the whole affair of the poisons upon his death. He had a very long list of creditors looking to be paid, and they went to the king demanding um, that he intervene. So the king ordered a search of his property, going through everything, and that is when they found this note that led them to this box. Um, it was discovered a week after his death on August 8th. His trusted valet, Jean Almien de la Chausse, um, was brought in for questioning. He backed up all of the mystery of everything that was in the red box. Um uh, and as soon as they found that, Marie knew to quickly leave. She left for London. She eventually hid out at a Benedictine convent in Avry in the north of France, um, She, where she hid for three years. She was charged with his uh, charged with his murder, um, even though she had never was able to go to trial. So she was charged in absentia. And uh, but the. The investigators still were like out on the case. They still wanted to find her. They were just like, they weren't going to let it go. One investigator even dressed up as a priest and went to this uh, abbey and hid there as a priest for four months before he could finally get to her, um, get close enough to her to arrest her and bring her back to Paris on April 17, 1676. They got her. Yeah, they do- Yeah, they were they were not going to let this go. Um, on April 26th, which is the date, you know, my birthday, that seems that I come across in just about every story I ever do research on. For some reason, something always happens on April 26th. Um, but they started to question her and torture her. Um, that lasted weeks. They tar- tortured her, you know, with water. Um, you know, pouring all this water down her throat, trying to get her to, you know, that she'd almost be choking. She did finally admit to killing her bro- brother and her father, but she would not admit to killing, um, have anything to do with Goldan's death, which, because she actually didn't have anything to do with his death. Um, a second trial began uh, three days later on April 29th. And she, the trial lasted a really long time for, for back then. It culminated on the 14th of July. And another gal that we've talked about before, Madame de Sevigny, was in the front row noting everything that was said. Um, if you remember, Madame de Sevigny was uh, the lady of letters. And she was born in 1626 in the Place des Vosges. And she spent all of her time... Um, documenting things that were going on in Paris and at the court of Versailles, at the court of Versailles, she took her daughter, uh, Francois there. Um, and luckily they got out before because her daughter, who was very beautiful, really caught the attention of Louis the 14th as well. Uh, but they decided to leave because she married her daughter off to, uh, Francois de Grignon, um, and, and they ended up leaving Paris um, April 19th, 1678. Um, so good thing they didn't stay there at court a little longer because who knows what have hap- would have happened, which is what we'll get to. Uh, but she then began in these letters because her daughter moved to the south of France. Um, and so she started documenting everything that was happening. If you remember from that podcast, like the, you know, the trial of Nicolas Fouquet, um, 
all of these famous things going on in, in, in Paris at the time at court. And, and a lot of the reason we know a lot of these things is because of her letters that, and they became so popular that her daughter would copy them and send them out to people. They were later published in books. You could actually find books today that are of all of her letters. Um, so thankfully to Madame de Sevigny, we get to get the inside glimpse into all of these, uh, atrocious and salacious things that got to happen in France. <laughs> we appreciate those letters. Yeah, we definitely do. Unfortunately, none of the letters that her daughter replied to her back with um, survived only, but you know, the juicy good letters were from Madame de Sevigny. And if you go to the Carnavalet, um, it's, that's where she once lived. The street is a uh, Rue de Sevigny named after her. She once lived in what is the, you know, the museum of Paris. And there is a couple rooms that are dedicated to her. So you get to see a painting of her and some of her furniture and stuff, which is really cool. Um, but at trial, it was discovered in 1669 that Mary Mag Madeleine attempted to kill Jean-Baptiste Colbert twice on February 18th and again on May 5th. He was a very close member of the court of Louis XIV, and he was named chief minister of the state. Uh, so a lot of the things that you see in Paris that happened under Louis XIV um, were really pushed through by Jean-Baptiste Colbert. Um, but it was nothing compared to what the court was soon going to go through. Um, when Henriette of England, she was the wife of Philippe I, the Duc d'Orléans. He was the brother of Louis XIV. She died on June 30th, 1670. And it is believed that she was poisoned and the poison came from Mary Magdalene. Um, a glass of chicory was given to Henriette by the Knight of Lorraine who was also the lover of her husband and wanted her out of the way. So uh, she, he had given her this glass of chicory, which some people I think um, try drinking chicory even still to this day as a replacement for coffee. What? Which, yeah, there's like, there's people that don't want caffeine and coffee. So I think it's like chicory that you could actually get. And people say it tastes like coffee. Um, but after reading this, I don't, I don't know if I would want to drink it. Yikes. Ew. <laughs> yeah. I think that was like a thing during COVID too, where some people started drinking that because they, you know, they were just at home drinking endless, you know, gallons of coffee think, you know, like this isn't good for me. So they started drinking chicory. <laughs> it's like I think it's like a bark. Weird. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. But she died that day. She was just 26 years old. Um, and upon her death, they did an autopsy, and they do definitely see that she died of suspicious causes. And if you watch that uh TV series Versailles, which I um when I was doing research for this, I was like, oh, I gotta watch some of the beginning of that again. And it had it starts out with Henriette. Um, you know, there's times they see her choking and coughing and she just doesn't feel good. She doesn't know why. Um, and the night of Laurent, um, is placed through the whole series. He's the gentleman with the very long hair and lover of, uh, Philippe, uh, the Duke d'Orléans. Um, and so you definitely see, and it even goes through a little farther into the poison affair with Madame uh, de Montespan. But the, you know, this whole thing, everything that was documented by Madame de Sevigny um, gives us, she gives one of the strongest accounts of the details saying um, assassination is the safest. It is a trifle compared to the eight months of killing her father and receiving all his caresses and sweetness where she just only responded with doubling the dose. Oh gosh. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> but Alexander Dumas, you know, of course, from the three musketeers, he also noted all of these details. Um, Alexander Dumas, 
you know, he's really known for the, you know, the um, Three Musketeers and is it the Count of Monte Cristo. But if you look into his whole list of, of books that he wrote, he wrote books about like Marie Antoinette and he wrote these books about court and these people at court, which are really, really interesting um, to check out. They're definitely not as involved as the Three Musketeers in some of those books, uh, but they are really interesting because he really notes these things. But on July 16, 1676, um, Mary Magdalene uh, met her final fate, fate at the Pasta Greve, which is now the Pasta Hotel de Ville. She was beheaded and burned on the stake. Her ashes were tossed into the wind of Paris. So they basically just picked up her ashes and threw them into the wind. Um, so that's, you know, even, I don't know. I mean, you know, we've talked about so many of these people that were beheaded and they put their heads on a stake and they just like basically, you know, brought the stake with his bloody gross head dripping on people in the crowd. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, which is worse that, or that her ashes were going through the city and people were just breathing them in. <laughs> yeah. Neither sounds great. Yeah. But Sevigny said that she never has a city been so aroused, so intent on a spectacle when this was happening. And she remarked that Paris has now inhaled her evil and it was now to return seven years later. I mean, she had to seek revenge. <laughs> yeah. So they, yeah, her ashes, maybe, you know, there was some of her with the witchcraft and poisons it got back in their system um but she as she was taken um the short way to her death she said out of so many people must i be the one to be put to death half the people in paris are involved in this sort of thing and i could ruin them all if i were to talk when the news reached the king he ordered an investigation louis the 14th appointed gabriel nicolas de la rien the lieutenant general of the police to create a group to look into these allegations but he never knew how close to home it would get, oh. which we'll tell you all about next week. All right, guys. Well, make sure you tune in next week to continue the story. And I hope you guys are enjoying this new theme of the podcast. And we love hearing from you. So send us a message and drop us a line. And check out Claudine's website, ClaudineHemingway.com, for more information. Thanks for listening today, guys. If you're interested in learning more about Claudine, her tours, history, and the beautiful photographs that she posts all over Instagram, tune into her website, ClaudineHemingway.com.